If you have your Bibles open there, that'd be great. And let's pray as we listen to God's Word. Lord, once again, we thank you so much for this Sunday where we can come and worship you and listen to your words. But Lord, we know that all these things that we do will be meaningless unless you speak to us. And we pray that your word will go out from your mouth and accomplish its mission before it returns to you. And we pray that we'll be shaped then thereby uh, by your words uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, If somebody asked you, what is the purpose of your life? Or why are you born? Um, What do you think that you're doing here on earth? What would you say? Well, two weeks ago, we started the series on God's mission for God's people, really, ultimately, to answer that question. Why God created human beings and put us here on earth. And ultimately, it is to do God's will um, here on, on the earth. If we go back to the first sermon series, we affirmed God's goodness. And we have, once again, Floor making that beautiful banner for us. Um, God created the world good. And then God says, you go and fill it. Multiply, rule uh, rule over it, flourish in it. We are created to fill it and, and, and create also a flourishing culture, a flourishing society. Build a city of God that reflects our faith that reflects our our confession of faith in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every part of this world where we go should reflect God because we believe in Jesus Christ and we build the society uh, that, that, that stems out of our confession of faith in Jesus. And last week we talked about how we are to serve um, uh, God's people uh, and God's society, to, uh, to, to focus on the works of justice and mercy, uh, compassion, and love. We are God's workmanship, created for good works, especially um, with the, in this fallen world, uh, works of justice and compassion. But all of that can happen. The last two weeks can only happen if we have the third week, if we have the, the, the mission of building the church, bringing people under the lordship of Christ. So we come to this final um, series, uh, final of the series, uh, Building the Church. In a way, Great Commission, I know that these are familiar words, actually start with uh, the way that we started our sermon series um, two weeks ago. Uh, We watched in the first week, saw the video of God of Wonder. Do you remember that song, God of Wonder? And we we showed pictures of God's creation all over. And the song started with Lord of Creation. Um of water, uh, earth, and sky. Heavens are your tabernacle. Glory um, to the Lord on high. It's an affirmation. If you think about that song, it's an affirmation of oneness of God, the unity of God, but also the lordship of Jesus Christ over all created things. It's Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. And in fact, you might not have thought about it this way, but the Great Commission starts with that reminder that there is only one God and everything belongs to him. So look at verse 18. It says, all authority of heaven and earth has been given to me. That's the reminder of this is Jesus talking. Jesus is looking at the world and goes, all authority of heaven and earth belongs to me. It's mine. And authority over everything has been given to me. 
the Great Commission starts with the affirmation of Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that there is no other God. Every nook and cranny over all this earth belongs to Jesus. And authority, all authority, belongs to him as well. If you think about it, really, then, mission is fundamentally a declaration of Lordship of Christ. When we take care of the creation as bearers of God's image, um, and as stewards of God, uh, uh, that we're saying that the creation belongs to Jesus. When we serve the society and creating the society, transforming the society to reflect our faith in Jesus Christ, we're saying that the society, the culture, that our family life, our friendship, and how we spend money and everything that we do belongs to Jesus Christ, that Christ has authority over those things. And when we go to the places Uh, to people who haven't yet heard of Jesus. We're saying that land, those people belong to Jesus Christ. That Christ is saying, this is mine. Mission is the assertion of Christ's rule, God's rule, over all things in every way possible. And mission then is possible because all authority belongs to Jesus and to no other. Beside him, there's no other, Deuteronomy 4 um, reminds us. Mission is possible because there's only one God, and God seeks to be known over all the earth. I think we have a next slide um, there. Yep. Um, mission is possible because God is jealous, and he wants to, to, to make himself known over all the created world. And that's what, really, if you think about it, what the salvation story is all about. God created us to, to, to be stewards, um, to, rule, uh, to, to rule as he rules, um, to, to be stewards of his creation, that we know him and enjoy him uh, and rule bearing his image. And that's why God opens blind eyes as we go and tell people about Jesus, because God wants that person to know him and to lo- live under uh, his rule. And that's why, in the end, he will come to, uh, to, to judge the living and the dead, and every Everyone on earth will recognize Jesus' lordship over all things. Mission is possible because Jesus has created the whole universe and wants the whole world to know him and to live under his rule. And if you think that that is astonishingly selfish, that might be right for a human being. If a human being wants glory for himself, wants uh, 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 to, to be worshipped like that, then that is astonishingly selfish. But if you think like that about God, then you're making a category mistake. But think about all the good things of the earth, all the colors, the beauty, the joy, goodness comes from God. All praise and glory ultimately belongs to Jesus Christ. That's why Christians of all ages have gone to all parts of the world um, because of their zeal for God's glory. That's why we feel so frustrated and maybe even indignant when we see people bowing down to a carved image, images of not gods, as Isaiah says it. That's why we still feel so frustrated because that devotion that people give to these things, that praise and that glory belongs properly to Jesus Christ who has authority over all things. But more than that, for me and for all of us as Christians, that it should move us because that glory, 
that that worship that people are giving to other things, the two non-gods, belongs to the one who emptied himself and had gave himself. He, he, he became one of us, and not just became one of us, he became one of us and then died for our sins. He was betrayed, insulted, beaten, and pierced, and nailed on the cross. And I want people to know that the glory that they're giving to other things belongs to that God, that to Jesus Christ who died for me. For the world. That's why people go all over the world to tell people that this is, this, that this, this world is God's. This world is Christ. Christ who has died for you to die for me. There's only one God and one Savior. And He deserves our worship. All authority of heaven and earth belongs to me. And the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every corner of the earth um, is also what allows missionaries to go out to the ends of the earth. When I lived in, in London, my friend and I used to go uh, at uh, night uh, Regent's Park when it was all closed, and sometimes we would um, uh, jump over the fence to get there. Um, and it, it's just that um, if you go to Regent's Park, it's beautiful, but at night when there's nobody around, it's even nicer. Um, but of course, we did feel nervous about it because we weren't authorized to be there. We weren't allowed to be there. Um, and I'm sure you've had similar experiences of, of, of doing this, um, going, being in a place where you're not allowed, you're not authorized to be. But once again, you see the implication of what Jesus is saying. If we go back, as Abraham Kuyper uh, would say, there is no place on earth where Jesus does not cry out, mine. It is because Jesus is the Lord of all universe, and his disciples are able and authorized to go to the every corner of the earth. We are authorized to go to Iraq, um, Tunisia, Yemen, Azerbaijan, Burma, Vietnam, Indonesia, and, and the Arab world, and these are some of the uh, least evangelized places in the world, because even though they don't know it yet, That land belongs to Jesus. Jesus is crying out, that land is mine, and its people mine. And those then who go um, to these places, go with the authority of Jesus. And you see how the command then naturally flows. Um, The command to go flows over his affirmation of authority. It's all authority of heaven and earth belongs to me, therefore go. People go with the authority of Christ as ambassadors of Christ. Not only that, God promises to be with us, with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20, right? um, Surely I will be with you until the very end of of the age. So missionaries of every age has been going to the ends of the earth. And some of it... A lot of it, most of it perhaps is, well, actually, I shouldn't say most of it. A lot of it is intentional. For example, Paul was sent by the church in Antioch to go to the Gentiles. But sometimes it wasn't so intentional. Remember how the persecution broke out um, after Stephen's martyrdom? This is a, what Acts 8, 1 records. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And later on in verse 4, it says, those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. 
So some people go, some people are sent out to go. But actually, a lot of us are scattered all over. They were scattered all over, and wherever they went, they preached the gospel. Everyone, everyone is supposed to preach the gospel to all the people around us. Sharing the good news isn't something that's delegated to evangelists or apostles, missionaries, or even pastors. Everyone is given the Holy Spirit, and everyone then has the ability and the responsibility to tell people about Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. In fact, um, people who, um, who, uh, people who um, encounter Jesus, one of the best ways to tell if somebody really met Jesus is uh, to see if that person shares the good news of, uh, with others. Remember, um, the woman um, at, 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 the, at the well in John 4, the woman who committed adultery and was married to many, many husbands um, and was now li- living with her boyfriend. Um, and when she meets Jesus, she goes around and she starts telling people that she's met the Messiah. Um, those who encounter Jesus in the Bible cannot keep their mouth shut. Think about the apostles. Apostle Peter when the, the 12 disciples didn't really recognize who Jesus was, they didn't, they didn't go out to tell people about Jesus. But then, after they meet the risen Christ, they go to the ends of the earth. They even die sharing the faith of Jesus Christ. Those who met Jesus Christ, I mean, how could it be that we know Jesus to be our Savior? How could it be that, that we know Jesus to be the Lord of, over, over everyone and over every place, and we don't tell people about this, this, this Lord that we met? We can never say, people who met Jesus never will say that Christianity is a private thing that I should just keep for myself. It can't become a private thing when Lord Jesus is the Lord over everything. And God has scattered us all over Hong Kong. And we must bring the good news to people. And there, I know that people who are already doing this. I know, um, I've asked, um, uh, uh, I know that there's a, a small groups here in this church who's hosting an evangelistic event this Saturday. They've booked the venue. They've, they're bringing a, a speaker in. They're going to uh, have lots of Christmas goodies. And they're going to have somebody just stand up and, and share the good news of Jesus. Tell people about what Christmas is about. Um, they're too shy. I, I wanted to interview them, but they were too shy to um, come up. So they, t- they promised to say something next year. So um, we'll hear about it next year. Uh, but isn't that great that people are doing this? The, the small groups, as small groups, as individuals, we must be sharing Christ. I know that there are people here who have been praying for people who was waiting for the right opportunity to come. Now, to ask people to come, why not uh, invite them over to Christmas? Christmas is one of these times when people are more open to coming to church, even if they don't normally go to church. Invite them over for the uh, children's Christmas service next week. Invite them over for the carol service on the 23rd. Use these opportunities. And before you think, oh, this is another thing that there's no practical application whatsoever, commit to praying. Everything starts with prayer. Do commit to praying. Write down names of three people that you really want to share the gospel and, and pray. Pray for them this Christmas season, this Advent season. Some of us um, 
are actually called to go out, but most of us are just scattered all over so that we can share the gospel wherever God has scattered us to. But I do want to, um, before uh, we end this section, I want to say that some of us are called to go and preach the gospel to the places where people don't yet know the name of Christ. Um, let's take a look at the map of the world that's here. Um, according to the International Mission Board, uh, you might not be able to see. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, the red dots are um, not that visible there. But according to the International Mission Board, there are 655 people groups uh, with a combined population of about 22 million where there is no evangelical Christianity at all. No evangelical Christianity at all. And that's about 22 million people who have no access to the gospel. If you told people about Jesus, they will have no idea who he is. 22 million people still over, over, uh, around the world. And you can see that uh, uh, people have designated this area, well, call this area 1040 window, don't they? It's a, a 1040... 1040 um, latitude uh, on earth, the Arab world and, and Southeast Asia and many, many places uh, in, in India uh, where people just don't know Jesus at all and they don't have the access um, to hear the gospel. And the next map shows us, and you can see this a bit more clearly, um, it's about a million people, 945 uh, billion people, 945 million people, uh, where there is the, the people, group ha, uh, people groups have less than 2% evangelical Christians there, and there's no active church planting going on there. And you can see how that, that what, about nine, 945 million people do not have access to the well. They they have very little access to the gospel. The church is not being planted anywhere, and it's the very uh, less than two percent of the people there trying to share the gospel in those places. And then that there are places like Europe and the next map, Ireland and much of Japan, and also a lot of China now. Uh, there are some churches being planted. Uh, where there are still less than 2% evangelical Christians, but there is active church planting going on um, there. But you can see uh, how most of Europe is now in that place. A lot of India um, is in that place. A lot of China is in that place. And a lot of the Muslim world is in that place as well. Less than 2% of people who really know Jesus and have a personal relationship with God and stand under the authority of the Bible. And then there are over altogether... If we combine all those maps in the next, um, there are over 4 billion unreached people around the world. But then there is this map, the next map, of the places where there are at least 6% of um, the population evangelical Christian. And Hong Kong is one of them. And you see the, 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 you see the dots of white lights there. It gives a new meaning of that you are the light of the world. And you see how so much of the part of the world is still dark. People still need to go. These places need, people need to know and hear the word of Jesus. People still need to go to these places. And I hope that there will be some of you who, uh, maybe some of the young people here, or maybe some of the people who are facing retirement. 
I hope some of you will be called to go into full-time, as, as full-time missionaries to these places. And if you're wondering, am I called? Just think about one way to, um, one way I think God calls people to mission field is to just let people's hearts burn with passion. Right? When Paul, Paul's mission was to preach the gospel where people have not heard the gospel at all. He says in Romans 10, he, wants to, he doesn't want to build on the foundation of another person. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, and as he will say in other places, but his heart burned to tell people who have never heard of the gospel. So he went to these places to tell people about Jesus. And I hope some of you will think about that, think about going to these places uh, to people who have no access to the gospel. And I know that this is a hard thing. I know that this is a hard thing for people. Um, whether evangelism in Hong Kong or the unreached places, I know that it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. And when we share the gospel, we, 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 we put ourselves out there. Uh, we have to face a possibility of rejection or even taunting or alienation from our friends and family. And I know that these unreached places in the 21st century are unreached for a reason. There are people who are hostile to the, uh, to the gospel in those places. But I want you to know, once again, the call to go wasn't made in a place that was all that different. Back then, people faced rejection. In fact, throughout in the Bible, people who are sent constantly faced rejection. Think about Moses. Think about Elijah. Think about the prophets in the Bible. And of course, think about our Savior Jesus. Think about the disciples. Out of the 11 disciples, 10 of them died for their faith. But I hope people, I hope some of you will still feel, feel, feel called to go to these places. The same people, uh, because through the blood of these martyrs, uh, people heard the gospel and the church, churches have grown all over the, all over the world um, because God is doing this work and we need to participate in it. And one more thing is that we are made for a mission, aren't we? I mean, if you are living your life, whatever you're doing, without an aim, without a sense of purpose in your workplace, you won't have any joy in doing it. But if you go out, if you're called to do this, and if you do go out, even while making sacrifice, there will be a great sense of joy in knowing that you are doing what you're called to do. And in fact, I know that all of those martyrs... Um, the 11, 11 disciples, I'm sure they died with great sense of joy in the hope um, of uh, in this, in, 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 knowing that they, are, they were doing what God has called them, them to do. Um, but having said this, I also want to, I just want to end with not just a call to go out, uh, but to uh, end with a uh, emphasizing the importance of the teaching ministry of the church. When we think about the Great Commission, we do think about going. We do think about sending people out. But that's, that's not actually the main command. When you think about the Great Commission, you think go. But that's not actually the main command of this commission. The main imperative, the main command, uh, there's only one main verb here, and it's to disciple all nations. Uh, it's to make disciples, translators, make disciples of all nations. 
And this is something that I've been saying again and again throughout this series, that conversion is not the goal. Jesus is not sending his disciples to offer people a ticket out of hell, although it is at least that. He is offering grace, but he is also offering a people a different way of life, a truer way of life, a life that was meant to be. It's lived in the light of God's power, his glory, his love. It's lived in the light of his faithfulness and the grace shown in Jesus Christ. It's lived uh, under, the, uh, under the lordship of the one who died for us. It's lived in the hope of the future. Life empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a whole different way of life. And that is what God is offering. And evangelism is how that starts. So even when Paul preaches, Paul had this intense desire not to build upon somebody else's foundation. But he also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, um, that Lord has assigned each of us to different tasks. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and, but God made it grow. So neither he who, uh, he who plants or, or he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So you see, evangelism and teaching ministry is one. It should be one. It's, uh, uh, some, people, um, some people scatter seeds like, uh, like Paul and the missionaries who go to these places. But Apollos waters it. And God makes it grow. Making disciples doesn't obviously mean evangelizing and then leaving it there, leaving them there. In order to make disciples, we then need to baptize in the name of the triune God. Then we also then need to spend time of teaching people to obey everything Christ has taught us. And that's discipleship. That's why I want to say sending missionaries and supporting missionaries is important. But doing the teaching ministry of this church is vitally important. Think about, it should be our main concern. Think about our children's ministry or our youth, youth group, young adults group, and the, the, the faithful preaching that happens here and the small groups that you belong to. All that is vital to God's mission. We need to grow and we need to be discipled not just converted. That's why the New Testament designates um, the leader of the church primarily as pastor slash teacher, somebody who takes care of the people here, but who, who's, who's able to teach people God's word. It recognizes that salvation is only half of the deal. Even Sunday worship is incomplete unless our Sunday worship transforms our lives into living sacrifices, a spiritual act of worship. Unless you go out and live your lives as living sacrifices, Sunday worship even is incomplete. When I worked um, at, as an international student worker in London, um, people were converted con- constantly. I mean, God is doing great work among big cities all around the world. International students come and they become Christians. But I always worried What would happen? What will happen when they go back? What will happen if my Japanese student who became a Christian in London goes back to Japan? Or a Chinese student? There are many people, many students that I'm wondering these days, I wonder if they go to church. I wonder if they're growing. I wonder if they're discipled. 
And that's because a lot of these places, the local church ministry is so weak. We need to, we need to grow the church. We need to focus on the ministry of this church, as well as supporting people all around the world. But I know that in order to, for us to obey Christ, we need to love him. And I, I know that in order to love Jesus, we need to be reminded again and again of what Christ has done for us. And since we're forgetful people, that's why this church exists. That's the main teaching of the Bible, isn't it? That God, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And that's why we exist, um, to remind us um, that, that we, are, we are loved beyond our imagination. I'm going to end um, this series, and we've gone um, the last last two weeks, um, last three weeks, including this week. We've gone through uh, these three things. Uh, the final slide there. Um, rather than constantly asking, Lord, what should I do? Lord, uh, rather than constantly asking, Lord, what should this church do? I want us to start thinking. Okay. This is God's mission for God's people. These five things, taking care of the world, doing the works of justice, doing the works of compassion, doing the works of evangelism, doing the works of teaching ministry. I want all of us to start asking, how can I do these things? How can I do these things in my job, in my home? How can we do these things well as a church? We are created for these things. We are created to serve the world, transform the society, until Jesus comes to share the good news of Jesus and preach the gospel to the ends of the, uh, ends of the earth. And I hope that we will be a church. When I say church, church on Sundays, but church as individuals who do God's mission for God's people. Amen.